is happening world i'm your host the wizard of Waz, benji wozniak and this week i'm gonna do short stories i've written for halloween so i'm gonna start out with one called harmy nun he stared from behind the police crime scene tape and held back a smile as they made the outline of the body he enjoyed committing the murders but he absolutely loved watching them trace his bloody creations the media had named him the black rose killer due to him leaving a single black rose at each murder site the police had their own theories on why he left the roses but their theories were all wrong he simply left the roses as a thank you to these beautiful women for their participation in the creation of his masterpieces once the police officer finished tracing the outline of his latest creation he turned and walked away he only lived a few blocks away from the newest addition to his art gallery and wanted to enjoy the night air as he walked he couldn't help but laugh at the stupidity of the police they know that most serial killers stay and watch from the crowd at the murder scene. The thing is, how often do you see on the news killer caught while watching at the scene? You don't. You never will. The police don't want to solve a crime in the obvious way. They want high-tech solutions, DNA, forensics, mass manhunts, and bringing in all the local criminal offenders for questioning as potential suspects. It's how they're able to justify the request to the government for more money to fight crime. He should be sitting in a prison cell right now, waiting for his turn to ride the needle. All it would have took was just the police officer to have actually looked at him. Most of the time, they just don't want to be bothered. They are too focused on how they are not part of the actual investigation. They must feel that hanging the crime scene tape and telling onlookers to step back is a waste of their training. However, had at least one of those officers noticed that this particular onlooker wasn't just bald-headed, but also had no eyebrows, they might have become suspicious and ended it all. He entered his house and headed straight upstairs to put away his newest memento from the girl he had just added to his art gallery and slit her throat. The book had a weird five-pointed star on the cover. Unfortunately, Two of the pages now had her blood on them, but he wasn't concerned besides it was something of hers that was personal, so he took it for his growing collection. The last creation was by far his best work yet. He had taken the time to shave off every hair on his body. Then he went to the girl's house on the side of her building, stripped totally naked, removed the plastic gloves and, and galoshes from the bag and put them on. Just the thought of what he was about to create gave him an erection. So he covered it with the economy he had brought. did not believe his luck when he found the back door was unlocked. He quietly opened and closed the door then cautiously proceeded up the back stairs looking in rooms he passed until he finally found her she must have just got out of the shower because all she was wearing was a towel wrapped around her and her long black hair was still soaking wet she was so concentrated in what she was writing that she never heard him creep up behind her he grabbed and jerked her head back by her long hair and quickly made a perfect slice across her throat with the knife she fell back onto the bed gasping at the wound as it poured blood he slowly positioned himself in front of her ripped off the towel and emptied her she never once removed her hand from her damaged throat and fight him off as he thrust it into her the blood splashed all over him he couldn't help but admire her determination to prolong what little life she had left he stared into her light blue eyes remembering that eyes were the doorway to the soul but her eyes only seemed to register acceptance as her soul passed from this earth once it was over he walked into her bathroom flushed the condom and showered off the blood when he had finished he wrapped the book in a fresh towel and dropped it out the bedroom window he knew that he wouldn't be able to watch the police outline his newest creation if he left her in the house. So he grabbed her by the legs and dragged her through the house and outside onto the street. He ran around the side of the house where he had left his clothes, removed the gloves and galoshes, and placed them back in the bag. He then proceeded to get dressed. As soon as he was finished putting on his clothes, he removed a bottle of lighter fluid from his pocket and saturated the bag and its contents and set it on fire. After this was done, he retrieved the book and headed to the nearest payphone two blocks away to report the murder. He waited about ten minutes after he saw the first police car drive by before he decided to head back and watch he was snapped back to the present by a loud thump from downstairs he had no idea what it could be he lived alone and never his life on a pet he placed the book on the dresser and drew his knife he slowly moved across the room and through the bedroom door into the hallway. He began to ease his way down the stairs. The lights in the house had been turned on prior to his going out, so if indeed there was an intruder, they wouldn't be hard to find. 
thump, thump. The noise seemed to be coming from the kitchen. He hated to admit it, but he found himself a little frightened. Whoever had entered the house was obviously no, not police. Because if they were police, they would have identified himself as such. Would have already been tried to arrest him. So in all likelihood, it was probably a burglar. He smiled at the thought of this. The poor fool picked the wrong house to rob. The stupid bastard would never make the mistake again. Because in a few minutes, he would be dead. He was going to be doing society another great service. Besides sharing his artwork, he'd be ridding them of this miscreant. He moved to the side of the kitchen door and peeked in. There didn't appear to be anyone in the sight, so he entered. The kitchen was rather small, with only a table, two chairs, and a refrigerator. He walked over to the pantry door with his knife at the ready and swung the door open, empty. He turned and looked across the room to the cellar door suspiciously. He eased his way over to it, slid the lock closed, and shoved one of the chairs under the knob. He'd seen one too many movies where a person made a mistake of investigating the cellar and paid for it with his life. Thump. Thump. The noise was now coming from upstairs. He walked from the kitchen back towards the stairs in total disbelief. There was no possible way anyone could have snuck by him and gone upstairs. The only possible way would be if they went out the back door and re-entered through the front door. But he would have heard the door open and close. He ran back up the stairs, taking them two at a time to the top. The hallway was empty, so he looked into the bathroom on the right of the stairs and saw nothing. As he slowly worked his way down the hall, he checked the guest room and the computer room, but the results were the same. Nothing. As he made his way back to his room and closed the door, he let a sigh of relief. He was letting paranoia get the best of him. The thumping sound was probably caused by a rat or a squirrel who got into the house somehow. In which case, first thing tomorrow morning, he called an exterminator and let them handle it. Thump. Thump. He felt his heart begin to pound in his chest as his eyes focused on the bedroom door. Now that the sound was coming from only a few feet away, it was too big to be a rat or a squirrel. The doorknob began to rattle uncontrollably, as if it was being struck instead of someone trying to turn it. He had just about enough of this shit. No one was going to get away with doing this to him. He reached over and yanked open the door. The sight before him caused him to let a blood-curdling scream. There, standing before him, was a police outline. Its body was nothing but a swirling mist, and the head was the ghostly face of his latest creation. The following morning, as the two police officers ascended the stairs, they readied their weapons. The hysterical laughter emanating from the house had been the cause of numerous phone calls to the station throughout the night. A quick search of the downstairs revealed nothing. The only thing that struck them as odd was the chair pushed under the doorknob leading to the basement, which one of them removed and the door opened, proving to be empty. Once they had reached the top of the stairs, they yelled out, identified themselves as police officers. They had done the same when they first entered the house, but just like earlier, the only response was the laughter. The door to the bedroom from which the laughter was coming from was opened. As they entered, they were confronted by an unnerving sight. A bald man, covered from head to toe in dried blood, was sitting on the floor in the center of a five-pointed star made of black rose petals. He was rocking back and forth, laughing hysterically, as he stared at the wall at what appeared to be the outline of a body drawn on it with chalk. The expression on his face was not of pain or fear, but of what could only be described as acceptance. Okay, that was Harm Ye None. I hope you liked it. Um, now I'm going to read Melissa. This story takes place in Lynn, Massachusetts where two used to try and discover whether or not the legend of a witch who was trapped in a local church is true. This happened just before the Salem witch trials, Jasper said with a hint of a smile. Cardinal would believe Jasper's stories. He was sure that he was only trying to spook him with his ghost stories. Just making this up, he said. Just trying to scare me. No, I'm not. It's true. I swear, Jasper replied as he moved the lock of white hair from his eyes. Kyle just moved it with his parents from Tempe, Arizona to Lynn. He had always been able to make friends quickly, and after they adjusted Lynn, he met Jasper. At first, Kyle didn't know what to make of Jasper. He was always dressed in black, which matched the color of his hair except for one lone lock of white hair, which he occasionally played with. He was tall for being only 14 and pale-skinned. Jasper lived in a foster family whose last name was Menard. 
Whenever Carl would go over and visit, he could not but feel uncomfortable. Jasper's foster parents, the Bernards, were the opposite of Jasper. Mr. and Mrs. Bernard were both short of build with graying blonde hair. Bernard seemed to be nice, but to Carl it seemed to be more of an act than real. Jasper's presence around his foster parents seemed to make them timid. To Carl it seemed like the way animals reacted around a predator. If it wasn't for all the cool stuff Jasper had in his room, Carl doubted he'd continue going over to visit. Jasper's room was decorated with posters of famous horror movies. His shelves had finished models of movie monsters in different poses. The coolest thing was the video games. Wolfbane's 1 and 2, Build Me a Monster, and Zombie Inc. I said as he and Jasper walked down the sidewalk of Boston Street, there were two sisters, Abigail and Melissa. I Identical twin sisters, Jasper interrupted. Oh, right. So these sisters were witches, and they lived in Salem. Now, one of the sisters had to go to Boston to go shopping. Well, actually, Melissa had to go to pick up some special plants sold at a shop in Boston, Jasper said with a smile. Okay. So Melissa leaves her sister Abigail in Salem. Both sisters were beautiful, tall, with high cheekbones and long black hair, with a lock of white in their hair. Jasper said, holding his own lock out towards Carl. Yeah, right. Anyway, while Melissa's away, a priest named Johnson sees Abigail dancing naked by the light of the moon three nights before All Hallows Eve and informs the town's council. The townspeople storm Abigail and Melissa's house and drag Abigail kicking and screaming to a giant rock. Now, Abigail was tied spread eagle under a rock, and the townspeople started lowering the rock onto her. While this was going on, Father Johnson was reading verses from the Bible, telling Abigail to confess her sins and repent. As the rock began to crush her, she screamed and cursed, and then with her last breath, she screamed her sister's name and died. While this was going on, Melissa had returned from Boston to find the house ransacked. She followed the screaming, hollering, and watched. While hidden in the woods, as the townspeople killed Abigail, that night, deep in the woods, Melissa called upon her dark lord to assist her in her desire to seek vengeance upon the townspeople. She gave herself to him and took his seed. A strong urge overtook her, and she began to crave the blood of an innocent. Not only innocent, but uncorrupt. The blood of children. On the night of All Hell's Eve, at twelve midnight, the witching hour. On the night of All Hell's Eve, at twelve midnight, the witching hour, Melissa entered the town of Salem and began taking children out of their bedroom windows and feeding on their blood. In the morning, the town was filled with the wailing of parents who found the torn and bloodless bodies of their children outside their bedroom windows. A lynch mob was quickly formed, and despite a thorough search of the woods, there was no sign of Melissa to be found anywhere. Nine months passed, but no sign of Melissa, until one night, when the air was filled with the sound of a woman screaming. The town people followed this to an open field, where Melissa laid on the ground in the process of giving birth. Father Johnson began reciting verses out of the Bible as the town people tried to kill Melissa. But no matter how hard they tried, no weapon could touch Melissa or her newborn baby. He won't let you harm us, Melissa hissed. The baby and Melissa were taken to the town of Salem and placed under heavy guard. Despite numerous attempts to figure out a way for the town to be rid of this evil, nothing seemed to work. On a dark and stormy night, three days before the following All Hallows Eve, a dark cloaked figure entered a meeting hall in the town to the shock of the townspeople. When the hood of the cloak was lowered, the face of a beautiful blonde-haired woman was revealed. She introduced herself as Meredith Smith, and she knew how to deal with Melissa. However, a pact has to be made between the church and her coven. The townspeople, who normally would have dragged Meredith to the crushing rock, were begging Father Johnson to agree. Father Johnson reluctantly consented, and Meredith told him what had to be done. In a nearby township named Lynn, a small church was located in a graveyard, or in other terms, hallowed ground. On All Hallows Eve, at the stroke of midnight, the witching hour, Father Johnson and Meredith had to place Melissa and the baby in the church. Then, with a combined effort, bind her there for all eternity. Now, on All Hallows Eve, a new hood not entered adulthood and has the blood of the innocent and is foolish enough to be caught in that church during the witching hour is pray for Melissa. Kyle shook his head when he finished with the retelling of Jasper's story. He looked at the white lock of hair in Jasper and wanted to laugh at him for giving the character of his story the same trait. We're here, Jasper said as he stopped so suddenly that Kyle stumbled past him. He looked at a large brown stone church with large picture windows. 
A large set of stone steps led up to the doorway. The building itself was surrounded by a metal fence with pointed tips on top of each pole. He wanted to visit a church, Kyle asked, with a confused look on his face. This is Sacred Heart Church, Jasper said, holding up his hands at the building, as if to emphasize the point. I have a friend named Father John Hansen I want you to meet, and he can verify my story. Two boys walked around the side of the church and knocked on a wooden door with a glass window. An older man with gray touching the size of his dark brown hair opened the door. He was dressed in his typical all-black of the church with a white collar. Jasper, what are you doing here? The man asked, with a look of shock on his face. Is everything okay? Are you and your friends here in some kind of trouble? Oh no, Father Johansson, nothing like that, Jasper said with a smile. I just wanted you to meet my new friend Kyle and answer some questions for him. Sure, 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 come on in. I'm sure I can find a few minutes to spare for you two boys, he said with a smile as he ushered them inside. They walked down a hall and entered an office, with a large desk and two light brown chairs facing it. The walls were lined with bookshelves, and behind the desk was a large picture window. Once everyone was seated, Father Johansson placed his elbows on the desk and placed his hands together in a steeple position as he stared at the two boys. So how can I help you? He wants to know about Melissa, Josh replied with a grin on his face. Father Johansson leaned back in his chair as if he'd been slapped and made a sucking sound with his teeth. I don't think this is the time or the place for such a story. Do you, Jasper? Well, actually, I do, since this is Halloween, and I already told him most of it. Jasper's grin widened. Jasper says the story's true, but I have to admit, I don't believe him, Kyle said, trying not to look at Father Johansson and tapping his hand nervously on the arm of his chair. It's human nature to question anything we hear, especially a story like the one Jasper told you, Father Johansson said, Surely. However, most stories like that originate for some kind of form of truth. So the story's true, Kyle said, as his eyes almost bulged out of his head, and he looked as if he wanted to bolt out of the room. See, I told you so, Jasper said, as he leaned back in his chair triumphantly. Hold on now, I didn't say that, Father Johansson said, lifting his hands as if issuing a stop sign. All I'm saying is during that time period, a lot of bad things happened, and due to some tragic event, the story of Melissa and Abigail originated. I think that people changed the story over the years into a ghost story to keep kids from playing in Pine Grove Cemetery on Halloween night. Well, we'll find out tonight if it's true or not, Jess replied with a smile from ear to ear. We will, Kyle said with a terrified look on his face. This, of course, your chicken, Jasper said, placing his fist on his side and making her arms flap as if they had wings. I'm not a chicken, Kyle said angrily. I'm not afraid of some stupid ghost story. Then it's settled. At 12 o'clock tonight, you and I will go to that little church and see if Melissa's real or not, Jasper said, looking at Kyle as if he had said some sort of challenge. Wait, 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 Father Johansson said, wagging his finger at the two boys. The cemetery is not a playground, and besides, there are laws against trespassing. I highly recommend you two put foolish notions behind you. Whatever you say, Father Johansson, Jasper said, as he cut off the father and stood from his chair. Kyle and I are going to go to the library and talk to Miss Melanie. Thank you for taking the time to see us. Okay, it was my pleasure, boys. Anytime, Father Johansson said, as he rose from behind the desk and escorted the boys to the exit. Remember what I said, boys, Father Johansson said, as he waved them goodbye. The cemetery is no place to be playing at night. The two boys walked for about a half hour. Kyle finally climbed the marble stairs leading to the front doors of the Lynn Library. When he first saw the Lynn Public Library, he couldn't help but notice that the place looked like something out of an old-fashioned movie. The building was designed in Romanesque style, with large pillars on each side of the front doors. It was a well-done recreation of buildings of that time period. Then, when you looked next door, you saw the Red Brick Boys Club building, couldn't help but laugh at the irony. Lynn Lynn, the city of sin, you never come out the way you went in, Jasper was singing as he opened the door and entered the library. What's that you're going on about? Kyle asked as he followed Jasper through the doors and into the library. It's an old poem about the city, Jasper replied in a soft voice. It doesn't make you feel good about living here, does it? Kyle whispered back. Then is the city where evil things dwell. They come here to live to be closer to hell, Jasper said with a grin. Jasper, a woman's voice said from behind the desk. 
As the two boys looked in the direction of the information desk, a tall woman with short blonde hair and a gray business suit walked from around the desk and towards them. Kyle guessed the woman to be in her 40s. She was still very pretty from her age. Hi, Miss Melanie. Me and my friend Kyle come to see you, Jasper said happily. Well, that was nice of you. Are you here to check out some books? Miss Melanie asked. We're here hoping we could talk to you for a moment about Melissa, Jasper said softly. I was telling Kyle a story, but he doesn't believe me. Could you tell it? I never said I didn't believe you. I just said it's a made-up ghost story to scare people. That's all, Kyle replied defensively. Even Father Johansson said pretty much the same thing. Well, why don't you two follow me to my office, Miss Melanie said. This way. I might be able to shed some light on the legend and won't disturb the people while they're reading. Kyle and Jasper followed Miss Melanie to her office, and once they were seated, Kyle repeated the story he had heard before. The office reminded Kyle of Father Johansson's in the way that it was set up. A desk, two chairs, bookshelves, and picture window. But where the chairs in Father Johansson's were comfortable to sit in, these were hard and squeaked when you moved. For the most part, you have the legend of Melissa correct. But you don't mention the blood moon, Miss Melanie said, looking at Jasper questioningly. It's part of the threefold law that was used to bind Melissa to the church in Pine Grove Cemetery. On All Hallows' Eve, at the witching hour, under a blood-red moon, Melissa was entombed. So the legend goes. And only when these three things occur can she awaken and roam her tomb, hoping to feed on the blood of the innocent. That's the part I forgot, Jasper smiled. Whatever happened to the baby, Kyle asked. I mean, there's no mention of him. You're correct about that, Kyle, Miss Melanie replied as she leaned forward in her chair. All the stories written about Melissa exclude what happened to the baby. And why is that? Jasper asked, leaning forward and looking at Miss Melanie expectantly. Well, maybe it was never disclosed what actually happened to the baby that night, or despite who the baby's parents were. It was an innocent and had no real bearing on the story, Miss Melanie said, leaning back with a smile. Thanks for seeing us, Miss Melanie, Jasper says as he got up from his chair. It's about time me and Kyle got going. We have a big night ahead of us. Oh, are you boys going trick-or-treating? Miss Melanie said with a smile as she rose to show them out. Nah, me and Kyle are going to go to the cemetery to see if the story of Melissa is true, Jasper said as he and Kyle headed toward the door. Just hold on. One minute there, boys, Miss Melanie said as she placed a hand on each of their shoulders. There are laws against trespassing in a cemetery after dark, not to mention it's a resting place for the deceased. I hope you two put any such notions out of your heads and find another way to enjoy your Halloween. It was around 11.30 when Kyle snuck out of his window and met Jasper on Boston Street. As they walked, Kyle stared at the stone wall they neared. It was up to Kyle's head, and he could easily pull himself up onto it. A crop of trees lined a hill that rose up from the top of the wall into darkness. Did you know this is the second largest man-made wall in the world, Jasper said, skimming his hand along it as they walked? No, no, it's not, Kyle replied. You're just making that up. No, no, really. When they tore down the Berlin Wall, this wall officially took over second place next to the Great Wall of China, Jasper replied, shaking his head up and down, as if verifying his own point. Where'd you hear that from? Kyle asked, looking at his friend as if he was gullible. Actually, a whole bunch of people have told me that, Jasper replied defensively. Well, that just goes to show you a whole bunch of people are idiots, Kyle said, which caused both the boys to laugh. As fast as the laughter started, it stopped once they turned the corner of the wall and saw the entrance to Pinecombe Cemetery. Look, Jasper said, pointing up into the sky. The moon's full, and it's red. Maybe we should listen to the warnings about trespassing in a cemetery at night. Like they said, it's illegal, Kyle said, trying to hide the quiver in his voice. We don't want to get in any trouble. Oh my god, you're scared, Jasper said, looking at Kyle with a big smile on his face. It's only a coincidence, Kyle. Nothing to be afraid of. I'm not afraid, Kyle said as he walked through the gate and into the cemetery. Once inside, both boys couldn't help but notice how the breeze wasn't blowing as hard as before. They entered, and even though they were next to the busy street, it wasn't as noisy as it should be. A small blue house was on the right as they entered, and a short distance down the road stood the small church. Does anyone live in this house? Kyle asked as they walked by. I don't see any lights on. It's the cemetery office during the day, Jasper replied as he scanned the trees that they passed from left to right. No one lives there now, but a while back, at night, watchmen used to live there. Supposedly used to walk the cemetery at night with a shotgun looking for trespassers. The gun was loaded with rocks. Out, and if he shot you, it would burn like hell. 
But that's just a dumb story. Oh, so that's just a dumb story. Melissa's not, Kyle said as they approached the steps of the church. Pretty much, Jasper said, shrugging his shoulders and pushing the door open. The church had pews on the left and right. At the front of the church was an altar, and behind it was a large cross. The windows were made with different scenes of the life and death of Jesus. Candles at the interior, and kneeling in the front was a figure covered in a black cloak. Is that Melissa? Jasper whispered as he nudged Kyle. How the hell should I know? Kyle said angrily. This was your stupid idea. Why don't you ask? That won't be necessary, a male voice said from behind as the church door closed. When the boys turned, they were shocked to see the Menard standing in front of the door. I don't understand, Jasper said, looking at the confused. What are you doing here? Welcome, Father Johnson and Lady Meredith, the cloaked figure said as it stood removing its hood and turned to reveal the face of Melissa. How nice are you two to visit? I'd offer you something to eat, but I don't think there's enough to go around. You can't have him, Melissa, Lady Meredith said, moving forward and putting a hand on Jasper's shoulders. We've adopted him. He's our son. Oh, now therein lies the problem, Melissa said with a mocking smile. By the rules, he's now mine. And since you're the one that made the rules, well, it sucks to be you. Come on, Mary, Father Johnson said, draping his arm around her and leading her back out the door. She's right. He came here of his own free will. Mom, Dad, please don't leave, Jasper yelled with tears in his eyes. But when we made it to the door, it was already closed and locked. Come on, Carl. Help me get the store open so we can get out of here. I'm sorry, Jasper. I just can't do that, Carl said as he moved over to stand next to Melissa. My mom wouldn't like it. Your mom? Jasper began to say in disbelief until he actually looked at Carl and Melissa standing next to each other and could see the resemblance. But Jasper started to say something, but Carl interrupted. But the hair is different, right? Carl said, running his fingers through the blonde hair. I dyed it, just like you did to get your white lock. Oh, and if you're wondering why I look your age, it's my curse. The one you're wondering about. The one that's not cold. I will always look like the innocent of which I feed upon. We're friends, Jasper sobbed as he looked at Kyle pleadingly. Oh, my sweet Kyle, Melissa said, smiling, revealing razor-sharp teeth. How many times must Mommy tell you, never play with your food? All right, so I hope you enjoyed my short stories. If you want to see more, you can go to Wattpad.com and look under BDog69, and you can see some of my poems and other stories. And I thank you very much for tuning in, so tune in next time to see what's happening.